1: Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
2: Welcome in to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Ross Martin. I'm joined by Don Callahan. That means that this is the Scoop podcast holiday edition. Uh, we're brought to you by Johnny T-shirt and GiantTshirt.com. And of course, right now, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Write a little review. Give us a five-star rating and mash that subscribe button. You'll be good to go. It takes a couple minutes out of your life. Rate, review, and subscribe. And, of course, Johnny T-Shirt, shirt.com. Don, what's up, man?
3: Not too much. Enjoying the holidays. How was your Christmas, and
2: what was your favorite <laughs> gift that you received? There we go. We're recording on Monday the 28th, and I think this is going to uh, maybe, maybe um, be published midweek my favorite gift um you know i spent a lot of time with a niece my two nieces and nephew and that was the gift Spending uh, time with family i was able to stay with my brother and sister-in-law in greensboro and the quality time I spent with family was the gift um it's a gift that keeps on giving yeah i got a yeti koozie too That was pretty cool okay what'd you get don
3: uh i got a tablet upgraded the old tablet i actually got that on black friday and the reason why i didn't wait until christmas to get it was because uh the you know you had to do the whole switcheroo with the uh the phone number thing okay so so yeah so i got that early and then i got some uh, wireless chargers which has been a cool experience my phones have always been wireless i just never had a wireless charger so yeah i'd
2: hope you'd have wireless phones by now
3: I mean, they had wireless charging capabilities. We just never had wireless charging. Yes.
2: All right. We will get into maybe some more personal stuff a little bit later on. We have a big show. Since we last talked on signing day, around signing day, UNC has landed two commitments. Let me get their names right here. They're new names for me. Um, On December 19th, 2022, wide receiver Tayshawn Chapman committed to the Tar Heels. He is uh, 5'10". 160-pound wide receiver from Virginia Beach, Virginia. He's ranked 163 in the nation. 20, uh, Number 20 wide receiver, number seven, seven player in Virginia. He's a four-star. And then on Christmas Day, Taeyon Holloway committed to UNC. He's a 5'11", 170-pound quarterback, cornerback from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Highly ranked as well. Four-star guy, 136 in the nation, number 15 cornerback, and number five player in Virginia. We're going to get into those guys. Uh, with me and Don, and then we're going to bring on Brian Doan as well, who covers recruiting for 24-7 Sports for that Maryland, D.C., Jersey, and even the Virginia Beach area as well. So these are his guys. We brought on Don. This will be his third appearance, I believe, on the Scoop podcast. So looking forward to bringing him on here in about 10, 15 minutes. Don, briefly, um, let's get into these two players and what you think, and then we'll go from there.
3: Yeah, so the the obvious thing is that they're both from the Virginia Beach area which um, UNC's having a lot of uh, success or buzz, I should say right now, buzz in that area because of landing Tony Grimes and then also how um, ingrained his father is. He's an ass- assistant coach in the area, but he also does a lot of things with the, um, just the football community. So that has helped UNC kind of create some buzz with these guys. Chapman, you know, to put it you know, uh, briefly, is a, a slot guy with a lot of speed. Um, and the one thing though, that I think is kind of interesting, which unfortunately we haven't been able to see his junior season to kind of see it in person is, uh, uh he could have the ability to maybe. Uh, do some trick plays from out of the backfield. And so that's something his his high school coach kind of brought up to me. We we did a QA with this high school coach, and he goes into depth, those sort of things, compares them to Percy Harvin. Um, so I, so if you haven't read that, I strongly suggest you go check that out. We posted that just before Christmas. And then the the other guy, another Virginia Beach guy, Ty, uh, Tyon Tayan Holloway, who is a cover corner. He's played opposite of Tony Grimes at corner and a lot of 707s are on the same 7-0-7 team. Um, and you know, very similar in the fact that they're tall, long guys who play with an edge. So uh, obviously, it was a no-brainer for North Carolina to be able to pull him in. And then with Tayshaun, um Chapman, you know, he obviously brings speed to the offense.
2: Okay, we'll get into both guys in, in detail with Brian. Um, generally, here, Don, did you see these coming? I know you saw them coming up a little bit, but did you expect? UNC, to have two commitments right here as we sit uh, on December 28th.
3: I think um, you know, maybe a couple months ago, I did not just because of the way that the calendar has mm-hmm. been going. You kind of feel like, you know, the kids don't have enough information to make a commitment. Uh, but I think this is where when I was, I was talking about Tony Grimes, his father, um, Dion Glover kind of comes in, in that, uh, you know, Glover obviously is really close with um, Chapman. He coaches him. And so Glover went to, I think it was just one game that Chapman came with him to, uh, this football season. And that kind of really, I mean, the wheels were in motion beforehand in talking to Chapman, but that really kind of, I think sealed the deal for North Carolina. Um, I kind of felt that ultimately you, had a really good shot with him. Um, but I definitely didn't think it was going to happen so soon. Now with Holloway is a little different. When I, I spoke to him, I actually went to a, some sort of workout where he was, um, participating in. And it was shortly after North Carolina offered, I was talking to him. He said all the right things, but I didn't get the warm and fuzzies from him. And then I saw him at a camp, the Nike, well, no longer the opening up in Virginia beach. And this was, I think, I think back in November. And just talking to him is completely opposite. He was, he was basically trying to kind of hide his feelings, but there was a whole lot of giggling and smiling when we're talking about North Carolina. And I, and I literally said to him, Hey, I, I feel like you're telling me a whole lot maybe not in your words but your actions and and he just kind of just was like, "Well, you know, I don't want to give too much away and I might be looking to commit sooner than what would I anticipate." And then a couple weeks later he comes out and says uh, uh Christmas Day is his commitment date. So, um so yeah, I mean, yeah, at some point, yeah, I I didn't anticipate North Carolina ending this year with a pair of 22 commitments, but um you know, as it I, I kind of saw the wave moving in that direction.
2: Okay, and did Dre Bly lead both these recruitments?
3: Yeah, yeah, and that's a big part of it too. And you know, he already had a really strong uh, reputation in that area for obvious reasons. Uh, but I think that his handling of Tony Grimes's recruitment, and and then also his relationship with um, Glover mm-hmm. and some of the other high school coaches in that area, just really has has made it basically insurmountable for for a lot of other programs to come in. And try to recruit the 757 um, if North Carolina really wants a kid.
2: Yeah, and and Mac had so much success there in the 90s. So, you know, Carolina football in general um, carries some weight there. I mean, it wasn't just Dre Bly who come out of came out of there. So North Carolina football has a history there. Now, after Mac Brown left, I mean, since since I've been covering UNC football and UNC football recruiting, it hasn't been a factor. It's just become a factor once Mac has come back and really once Dre Bly has gotten his, uh, his fingers back in the uh, Virginia beach area. Um, and, and we're gonna get into this a lot more with um with Brian, who we're going to bring on here in about 10 minutes, but. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on in, in generalities with these two players? I mean, it, well, it's well, it's kind of like we don't know these guys. I feel like you don't even know these guys that yeah. much, and so we're cool, kind of getting to know this class. I'm going to look at their their class and see where this class is ranked already because they have two commits. But this is generally when you see kind of momentum starting because you think about it, last year, UNC already had to commit to this point, and then it was February, and March when they really got you know the four star, four star, Mageddon, that kind of stuff started.
3: Yeah, so I guess with this class. I mean, like I said before, I didn't really anticipate these early commitments like that. Yeah. But I just think that um, Bly has such a strong presence in that area. It, it just has helped so much. And it's such a unique area. And you mentioned how North Carolina hasn't had a whole lot of success um, before uh, you know, Mac Brown came back and before he hired Dre Bly. And a lot of that is just it's just such a tight-knit group. Mm-hmm. And there were some situations, and those who have been following recruiting for a long time, back with you know jason lewis situation where um it was just there were mishandled mishandled situations that not only affected north carolina with that particular recruit but then also kind of trickled down into other recruits that you know maybe wasn't the reason why the recruit didn't choose north carolina or chose to go in a different direction but it certainly didn't help north carolina's cause
2: awesome awesome stuff there don Um, we need to get into um before we bring on Doan, or is it Don or Do- is it Don? Brian Don. Doan. Brian Doan. Brian Doan. Um, I think when, after he comes on, we'll talk about our uh, live stream of National Signing Day on uh, in the Man Tower. and get into that, we also want to tease a 2021 offer that went out. One more guy they're kind of going after. We'll get into who, who that is and what Don can tell us about that guy. Um, and then we also want to mention the top five. We only got one. Uh, submission for the top five, which is the top five 2021 signees now who you're most excited about. So Make sure you email those to Don, uh, Don at Inside Carolina, DM him on Twitter or on the uh, Inside Carolina message boards, Inside Carolina, your, your top – all these guys who signed, you know, two weeks ago who you're most excited about um, as a Tar Heel now. So I, I'm really excited because I think I can create a lot of discussion there. Um, we're going to bring on Brian here in a bit to talk about Tayon Holloway and Tyshawn Chapman, their game, their recruitment, Dre Bly, maybe how the 2022 class is going in terms of players really wanting to grab spots early and how the, obviously the the COVID-19 pandemic has changed recruiting and the the timing of of when players commit. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back with Brian Doan of 24-7 Sports.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride.
1: sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Podcast, All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
2: Welcome back to the Inside Carolina Podcast. This is a Scoop. We got Don Callahan and we have 24-7 Sports National uh, Recruiting Writer Reporter Brian Doan with us. He covers the uh, Mid-Atlantic area up to New Jersey and is far down as the Virginia Beach, and because of the Virginia Beach, tidewater area, we're having him on for his count it third time on the Scoop Podcast. Brian, what's going on, man?
4: Ah, uh, you know, just kind of enjoying the holidays and really disappointed. I expected to come on and see Don wearing like a gritty onesie that he got for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you should see my tree.
3: I have a gritty topper on on my my flyer's tree. Oh, you seen that tree on Facebook? You, I have that's a, I a have. bed. Yeah, bad. You're you're married, right? I am married. Shocking. It was (laughs) anyway. Hey, it was her idea. It was her way of getting
2: Getting you out of the house.
3: Well, no, getting the tree up because (laughs) I didn't want it up, but putting it in one of my spaces. Wait, didn't want it up. What are you like,
4: Ebenezer Scrooge?
3: No, I mean, it's it's a little. We have an actual tree down in our living room. This is this is the tree that goes up in the man tower. And I didn't uh, want a tree up in the man tower. And so she went and bought a bunch of flyer stuff to put on a tree. So of I was course like, she did. <laughs> yeah. So. But anyway.
2: <laughs> All right. <laughs> After that little uh, escapade through there. Let's get into it, guys. We're bringing on Brian to talk about UNC's two commitments they got in late December. Uh, Tyshawn Chapman and Teon Holloway. Uh, they committed, you know, within a week of each other. We're first going to get into Tyshawn Chapman. He's a he's a wide receiver from Virginia Beach. Brian, can you kind of tell us how this recruitment evolved to the point where you have this four-star um, wide receiver coming into UNC on December 19th?
4: Yeah, he he plays at Princess Anne, which is where Tony Grimes played. Um, Tony's dad, obviously, Deion Glover, is an assistant coach at Princess Anne and heavily involved in recruiting. Tony went to North Carolina, and there that's the end of the recruitment because Tyshawn did not – make many visits if he waited he would have picked up a ton more offers because he's electric slot kind of kid who can you know make plays after the catch but yeah they're they're I know people want the sexiness of everything about how the twists and turns Mm -hmm. but yeah this was pretty cut and dry
2: did he take any visits before the the shutdown was there was there leaders or anything was always kind of like all right UNC is that it
4: yeah. I mean, there weren't because he really wasn't on the radar very much. I, I know he ran a really good track time um, the winter of his sophomore season, you know, for people that don't know, he's a class of 2022. So he'll, he's only a junior right now, but he ran a really good track time and and I went and saw him. Jeez, a few days before the shutdown down in Virginia beach, um, Dion and Zon Burton and the guys down there had a, had a camp and mm-hmm. it was indoors and, I'm watching this kid and he's just electric getting off of the line and nobody could cover him. And he just looked fantastic. And, you know, he was having, he was fighting the ball a little bit because the lighting was bad inside where they were. And I said, Hey, how's this kid with catching the ball? And they said, Oh, he's good. It's just, you know, every receiver was having trouble, but I mean, they did it in a hockey rink size type deal and it couldn't contain him. He was just too quick and too fast. Um, and, you know, out of that, some tape came out of it and the buzz and he picked up a bunch of offers, but he was never able to really get anywhere. didn't really look anywhere. And, you know, North Carolina is really entrenched now in Virginia Beach. And so it just became, hey, I might as well go there
3: along those lines. It. I feel like in, in covering it, it's hard to get a grasp on who else is really recruiting him. He's, he mentioned a bunch of other schools, Penn State, I guess. Um, Clemson actually seems like the one who was recruiting in the most outside of North Carolina, and they never offer. From, from what you've gathered, not necessarily from Chapman, but maybe from outside sources, what were the other schools that were interested in him?
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it was – you know, the Virginia techs of the world. Um, He liked Clemson a lot. He thought if Clemson was going to offer that he would have a chance there, but you know, it it changes once a, you know, Dre Bly does a good job there. And then once Tony Grimes decides to jump aboard and then all of a sudden Tony Grimes is playing this season, there weren't many visits. Tyshawn is not the kind of kid that's going to spend a ton of time on the phone, talking to coaches And it just became clear as it moved forward throughout the fall that it was going to be North Carolina. I mean, you know, you look at the Virginia Beach area and there's not a lot of schools that have really good standing at Virginia Beach. You know, you kind of wind up having kids go all over the place. But, you know, I know Florida State, Florida looked at him hard and, you know, he had a bunch of the offers that Mm – highly rated kids have early on but it never got in depth and it got in depth with North Carolina and that's why you see him wind up where he did
2: yeah I mean looking through the offers now I mean he has all the all the top schools kind of other than like the the major major ones West Virginia Virginia USC Tennessee South Carolina Pittsburgh Penn State Oregon Ole Miss Oklahoma Michigan State Maryland Louisville Georgia Tech Florida State Alabama offered. It looks like Auburn and North Carolina. So it's certainly a national recruitment, but because of this pandemic didn't have the same feel. Um, and you already mentioned uh, Tyshawn Chapman in terms of his game and what he brings. Can you dive a little more into that, Brian? I mean, what kind of player he is? What is UNC getting? Uh, and how could he could he rise in the rankings? Is it, where do you think he could kind of end up? With so much time left in this class.
4: Well, I mean, you can always rise just like you can always drop, right? I'm yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm sure we know that. And I, I don't know. If I if I if I knew where he was gonna wind up, I'd just put him there now and and have it stop. I mean, you know, here's what he is though. He's a guy that gets off the line incredibly quick. Um, you know, he'll beat jams, even though he's got to get stronger. He has tremendous ball skills. I mean, Don, you, you saw him when we were down in Virginia Beach in early November. And I know, you know, it was just routes on air, but there was some really poorly thrown balls that yeah. he adjusted to balls, you know, down the sideline where it was just easy for him to adjust and make a play on. He has speed after the catch. He has some elusiveness in space, you know, in, in tight spaces. Um, he's not afraid to go over the middle. He'll go up and get the ball. I mean, listen, he's, he's in the top, you know, what, 150, 175, whatever it is. Um, he's that good now. Hopefully they have some kind of junior season where you can really see his development, but mm-hmm. for him, it's just, you know, a little crisper out of routes and maybe, you know, he can rise if he continues um to catch the ball and be the big playmaker that he should be. But, you know, when you turn around and look, uh, he's not the six, three guy, the six, two guy. And so he's going to get, I don't want to say pigeonhole, but, but he's, he's going to have some limitations in terms of what he can do down in the red zone and and stuff like that. It doesn't mean he's any less of a unbelievable talent and at the college level, he can be, you know, just, absolutely lights out because of his ability after the catch. And he's got, he's got great hands and great ball skills. I mean, go, go watch his sophomore tape on huddle and and you'll see just how dynamic he can be. That kind of brings me to my question and
3: it's not an original question or original thought, I should say, because I was talking to his high school coach James Yeager and he actually mentioned that he thought that um, that Chapman could add some weight and not play running back, but you have packages where you line them up in the in the backfield, or you motion them to the backfield, and, and those sort of things. What what are your thoughts based off of you know his frame and you know his uh, I guess his agility and those sort of things? Uh, potentially having sort of packages for him.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think you want to get the ball in his hands. He's not, you know, if you're going to try to get the ball into his hands 15 to 20 times a game, I could see it wearing him down a little bit because again, he he has a good frame. He can add weight. He can add muscle mass and size, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're five, 10, 175 pounds, 180 pounds, you have a chance to take a beating, if you're getting the ball that much, do you put them in the backfield? I don't know, man. I mean, North Carolina has got some pretty good running backs, don't they? Mm -hmm. Um, You put them in the slot, you can run them some bubble screens and stuff like that. I mean, you know, North Carolina still has to do what they do on offense. You can't Mm -hmm. sit there and go, Oh, we're going to do this, this, and this just because of this kid. If you're North Carolina and you're you're trying to um, compete with Clemson for an ACC title your roster needs to be filled with kids like this and that doesn't mean hey he can't do it but you want to make sure you're getting a lot of different guys involved in the offense because that's what you need to do if you're going to compete for an ACC title
2: all right so Tyshawn Chapman wide receiver 510 160 the one number 163 uh, in the nation according to 24 7 sports composite commits to UNC on December 19th becomes the first player to commit for the Tar Heels in the 2022 cycle out of Virginia Beach and high school teammates with Tony Grimes. Let's take a quick break. I want to talk to you about Johnny T-Shirt and T-shirt.com, our loyal podcast sponsor. I was on their website today. They have some great Orange Bowl T-Shirts. You don't know the next time UNC's going to be in the Orange Bowl. Get your Jordan brand uh, Orange Bowl T-Shirts. There's some palm trees on it. They have UNC-themed masks. Always, we always love the sweatshirts, the t-shirts, the hoodies, tailgating stuff, anything you want at Johnny T-shirt and t-shirt.com. Remember, Inside Carolina podcast subscribers can use the 10% off discount code found on the message boards to get 10% off your order. Uh, jerseys, t-shirts, long sleeve, short sleeve, uh, button downs, anything you need, stuff for kids, uh, go to Johnny T-shirt and t-shirt.com and don't forget to use... Ten percent off discount code for IC subscribers. You also have the throwback jersey I see here. The throwback jersey at UNC War against Wake Forest. A great thing to get for uh, friends and family. All right, giant T-shirt, and we're going to talk about right back into it. Talking about Tayon Holloway. Am I saying that right, Brian? It sounds like Holloway to me. Tayon Holloway, a five eleven cornerback, one hundred seventy pounds, ranked one three six in the nation. In the 24 7 sports composite, the number 15 cornerback, number five ranked prospect in the state of Virginia. Um, he is from Green Run High School in Virginia Beach. Uh, briefly here, Brian, his recruitment, I imagine it has some <laughs> similar aspects to what uh, happened with, with Tayshawn. What's going on there?
4: Yeah, I think the key thing for that is for the, for the inside Carolina folks that either don't remember or would like to forget, same high school as George Wilson. I do not okay. see the same type of drama okay involved in this one very similar um i know again when don spoke to tayon and when i spoke to him back in november i mean we left that talking to each other going so what day do you think he commits um and shoot i mean i know that that tyson may have been the first one publicly on board but uh, i think tayon was the first one on board quietly and just waited some time on it um yeah i mean again you know you're from Virginia beach. You are involved with not only, you know, Tony Grimes and his dad with the seven on seven stuff and the camp stuff, but you know, one of their coaches, Q, Q Payton is is really tight with, with um, Deion Glover. And it just made sense that this is where he was going to wind up. He wants to be there. He does not want to go far from home. And so, you add in the Dre Bly factor. And for these kids from the 757, it's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, Dre's the man, right? From college, from the NFL, was a high school legend. Wait, I, c- I can go learn from him. And for Holloway, I can go learn it. It's the same position. Yeah, sign me up. So I think it's, I mean, I folks, I really wish I could make up some story <laughs> and pretend that it was some great job and all this long
2: drawn out process, but uh, alas, it was not. Quickly here, Don. Before I, before we jump to your question, uh, offer lists, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Texas AM, Tennessee, Syracuse, Pittsburgh, Penn State, Oregon, Old Dominion, Charlotte, Arkansas, Florida State, Alabama, and North Carolina. So, so just similar offer list, and uh, kind of a national recruitment as well. Brian brings up the proximity. Not only is
3: Virginia Beach obviously really close to Chapel Hill, but Holloways has a lot of family in the Kinston area of North Carolina, and he actually has lived there. I think he was actually born there. His family has moved around because they're in the military. But um, the one thing, and I know his, his recruitment is pretty cut and dry, but I kind of felt like early on, I mentioned this early in the podcast before you came on, that North Carolina was a little bit of an afterthought, and then just all of a sudden, boom – Right right about the same time that that camp happened that you were re- referencing, North Carolina just flipped and became the, the, the number one school. Did you, did you sense that too? Did you feel like there, there was some sort of, I guess, switch at some
4: point with, with North Carolina? I, I didn't feel like there was a switch. I just felt like he didn't really think about it much yet. And mm-hmm. then once, it, once you know Carolina offers and they start thinking about it. And then the other thing to keep in mind is, You know, and I I can't. I think what Dre Bly doesn't he have like a high school aged kid? Yes. Okay. So the deal is, and this, I mean, this is nothing new for North Carolina. It's not like they just reinvented the wheel or something. But if Dre's kid goes to a camp, Dre can go to the camp. Yeah. And now technically, you're not supposed to evaluate off that camp or do anything like that. But you know, like I said, I mean, I shoot. I go back to to Rick Neuheisel going to camps when he was the UCLA coach because his kid Jerry was a quarterback. Well, and it was so, at Game Academy camp. Yeah, exactly, if you remember it yeah. was, and and the Game Academy is what I went to go cover in early March, and then they had some some stuff after that just for kids, and you know that's where they saw Kalen Adams, who's a 2024, who has an offer from North Carolina, who hasn't even played high school yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, all, I think what happened was. Listen, it, back in the the late winter, early spring, the last thing schools are thinking about is, man, let's get our twenty twenty two board in order. Yeah, right. They're trying to figure out twenty twenty ones. How are we going to recruit when we can't get anybody on campus? And then, you know, once they do some more research and really watch this kid, you know, the tape from the, some of those camps and his his game tape as a sophomore, and they see how loose he is and how athletic he is, and he's got great length. It's like, well, wait a minute. And we have an in now, yeah. We really should go heavier on this.
2: Awesome. Uh, I mean, is there before we kind of get into his game? Is there anything else to talk about about what Dre Bly is doing? I mean, is it just the fact that is Dre Bly the the cloud of UNC? Is that a fact well, that Mac Brown had success there in the nineties? I mean, is there anything else we got to dive into with with what Dre Bly is doing? I there feel like different. I than feel what like. We
3: expect? I feel like Tony Grimes kind of broke the seal. You know, I mean, am I am I wrong in that? Brian. And then it just kind of flowed from
4: there. Yeah. I I think that's, that's a good way to look at it. And, you know, we talk about Tony's dad, Dion, and, and, you know, it's not like he's out there saying for every kid to go to North Carolina, because if that was the case, George Wilson would have been at North Carolina, right. Back in July and throughout the whenever, Mm -hmm. but what happens is so, so Dion is really well respected by the parents and the coaches in that area so if dion's talking about hey my kid's having a great time at north carolina and he loves the program well i mean that's gonna resonate just Mm -hmm. like anybody else in any other state talking what you know you i can sit here in new jersey and say hey program x has a really good relationship with penn state or rutgers or ohio state and you're going to see some kids going there and you saw it, you know, with Boston college, with the school, um, St. You know, uh, St. Joseph's Montvale in North Jersey a few years ago, kids started going there. So, so I think it's important to, to say that aspect of it, um, and the trust level, but yeah, it goes beyond Dre because you don't, you know, <laughs> Chapman's not going to play for Dre. Mm, it's yeah. just that he trusts him. But it's also the rest of the staff is doing a great job. I mean, I'll let you know the next time I hear a kid say that Mac Brown doesn't make a huge impact. You know, I know there was some concerns about Mac and, and his age when he got the job, but A, he's a lot younger than than his age, and B, he relates just as well now as he did fifteen years ago to these kids. And just you know, you did the Johnny t-shirt spot before and Johnny t-shirts.com, I believe, but you know, mm-hmm. you did that spot and you talk about the Jordan brand. I mean, mm-hmm. these kids know they, the, the Jordan brand, the Carolina blue, it's a great campus. I mean, to me, and, and this is just me. And Don and I have spoken about this and I gave my thoughts on it before. This is what Carolina could be. And for the most part should be mm-hmm. because the kids and their, their parents know the Carolina brand, you know, you, you see that Carolina blue on the basketball court. And so everybody, so there's already a connection, um, you know, cause every kid's parent wanted to be Jordan at some point, you know, hooping it up. So you have that. And I think they've just been able to build on that and they found some relationships that work. And, you know, the, the 757 is a unique area in that when you get in there, you are in good. And you look at what Virginia Tech did years ago. You know, it wasn't just Michael Vick, but they they kind of built themselves. You know, Frank Beamer built that program largely on the 757 and some of the outstanding players that came from there. And it's no coincidence that they have not been the same program since their recruiting in that region has not been as good as it had been before. And I think North Carolina has figured out a way to capitalize
2: on it. Yeah, I mean, that's that rivalry, which was definitely something and probably still is definitely still is with the coastal division with with UNC going in and taking players out of the 757 that Virginia Tech used to dominate. I mean, that's definitely a interesting thing to kind of examine with with how that rivalry develops with recruiting, because you have Virginia going to Texas to get players, and things like that.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, listen, Carolina should take care of their home state. And for them, the 757 could be an extension of that because of proximity.
2: And you had for a while there that NC to VT movement with uh, a couple players uh, from North Carolina going to Virginia Tech. So it's just I think it's a really interesting rivalry there, too.
3: All these things are cyclical, though. I mean, it's all like everybody. It was like doomsday when all those <laughs> Greenboro guys were going to Virginia Tech and now it's reversed. And I hate, you know, UNC fans aren't going to like to hear it, but
4: it's going to reverse at some point. Soon too, I mean, it's just, it's just how it is, it is. And you know what, Don? I mean, how long ago was it with the whole Jason Lewis saga where North Carolina it, yeah. was never getting another kid from the yeah. 757? And it's like, yo, relax,
1: relax, yeah. things yep. get fixed.
2: Yeah, that's right. Time okay. heals all wounds, sort of thing. <laughs> jeez deep. Um, all right, so let's get back into to Tyon Holloway. Tyon, Tyon, I gotta, it's, a, it's kind of a difficult... I think it's Tyon jeez all right brian, hey, hey i'll help you out
4: just say like, ta- when you call him just be like yo how you doing then you are said
2: <laughs> oh no, yeah but, but you don't want to say his
4: name right
3: i, um, I think it's actually is it tayon it's tayon
2: it is tayon tayon yeah, yeah. tayon okay so brian what can you tell us about his game you mentioned a little bit he's a long corner 511 170 um what type of player is he and how does he fit into what jay bateman and Dre i like to do at unc
4: Well, I mean, first of all, whenever you're looking at a corner, there's Kenny flip his hips and there's some plays, you know, I saw him again. I saw him in the camp setting in March and I saw him again in the camp setting down in Virginia beach. And, and when he went against Ty Chapman, it was a really good matchup and you could really see he can open up, he can turn and run, he can change direction. He can stay on the hip. He has to get stronger, and he knows that. I mean, you know, I, I think I once told him if he really needs the secret, I can tell him how to put on twenty-five pounds really quickly. <laughs> it's just you'll look. I'm like good this. at that too. <laughs> I mean, you'll you look like this, and and that's kind of not good for him. But uh, you know, he knows that he's got to work on that. Again, he's young; he's a junior, so he's got time. He's got to get stronger in the upper body. I mean, you know, I always look at it this way: if you're North Carolina and you're trying to compete with Clemson can Tayon on jam these Clemson receivers at the line of scrimmage and reroute them at the high school level. He can, he can close on the ball. He has closing speed. He's willing to come up, take on a block and make it hit. Um, you see some of this stuff on the offensive side that tells you about his body control. He's got very good ball skills, good hands. Um, North Carolina can use him however they want. He's a kid that can play boundary. He's a kid that can play, you know, on the field side. Cause he runs well. Um, He's got a good feel. He's one of those cornerbacks. And you better be really good to be this cornerback that when he gets beat on something, it's, you know, he forgets about it, but it's always, well, I did this wrong or this guy did this that he shouldn't have. And so that's, it's good. It, it, he doesn't, you know, he has, he has a healthy um, confidence. I, I don't think he's a brash kid or anything, but he's confident in what he can do. It's just, he's got to put on the size and strength to be able to, to play right away. Um, you look at a guy like Tony Grimes who goes there and you know he's 18 and still, I mean, you're going against some of these kids are 22 years old. And mm-hmm. so not only are they more physically mature, they've had four more years in the weight room. So he, he's just got to get stronger with that stuff and continue on his technique. Sometimes uh, he really doesn't get into his back pedal and, and doesn't sink low like he should, which will help with his change of direction, driving on the ball. But at the end of the day, he, can just overwhelm
2: with athleticism on the high school level. Yeah. That's some stuff you can't, can't really teach there with the fluidity and the hips and whatnot. Yeah. Um, let's see, what was I going to go there with? So, yeah. So, oh, you see a trend now. I mean, obviously it's what you always want. You want long corners. You saw with Tony Grimes he had great size, he had really long arms with here with uh, Holloway. you got a five eleven guy who's long. And you look at what UNC already has with storm duck and colleague Michael, you're seeing big, long cornerbacks.
3: Tamir Brown, who they just signed. And also, he's long, too?
2: long guy, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of odd. I mean, not odd, but you know, Dre Bly was not the biggest guy. He's he's no. coaching guys do you have that that kind of the physicalness you need. Well, it, it, but Ross,
4: it's the same thing Don said about center It's cyclical. If you look at the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, for a while it was big corners, and now maybe not as much the big corners, and and it'll go. But at the end of the day, five eleven is a good size, and mm-hmm. and rather than the height, look at the length and. Listen, give me a kid who's 5'11 and can flat-out ball than a 6'1 kid who's a project.
2: For sure. Okay, so as we close with Brian here, let's get into some generalities with the 2022 class and kind of where you think it's heading, not just UNC but football recruiting in general. You're seeing – I don't know, I've been reading a little bit here. I'm not in the weeds like you are as much, but the sense that some players are going to be going out and grabbing spots early because some players are coming back. Seniors are taking that extra year. There's going to be a lot of transfers may not be as many spots available until maybe later in the cycle. And I'm kind of speaking out of school here. So I'm going to let you all kind of go and talk about what you think 2022 could look like, not just for UNC, but in general with with college football recruiting as we continue with this, this pandemic.
4: Yeah. I, I think for me, you know, the NCAA, you know, they don't say anything. So you have all these kids that are coming back this year that, you got to figure out how their scholarship works. Right. And so the word is that the kids coming back. Aren't going to count against the scholarship. Mm-hmm. Right. Against your 85 limit. And that's good for this year. And that's great. But here's the problem because your 2020 class didn't have any, you know, nobody that played in 2020 used up any eligibility. So, you know, you take a kid like Grimes, who's still a technically a freshman next year. And now you're, Put the 21 class on top of that. So now you have two classes where you, you combine those, and that's almost like having one class of of 40 to 50 kids in it. So the 19s, the 18s, and the 17s are still there. So what do you do moving forward? Because okay, if the NCAA says the kids who are going to use up their eligibility this year are allowed to play, and that's fine, well, that's good for now. But what happens to the kid who's you know, was going to be, who was a sophomore, who was going to be a junior, and then this next season would be a senior. Well, he's still a junior. So now if you keep it 85, wait a minute now, now you're looking at class sizes that are going to be like 10 to 12 players and that's it. So the NCAA hasn't said, hey, you can have 100 for 2022 and 90 for 2023. Because even though we're talking about now and, and for next year, everything's fine. The impact of this goes for years deep and so kids are now like hey wait a minute i can't make visits until at least the middle of april lord knows if you'll we'll be able to then i mean that'll be what 13 months without visits there's not a lot of slots potentially available because the NCA hasn't said a thing so unless i'm a, a stud who schools will wait on man I, I i better jump on that right away and i've seen kids in the northeast you know i have virginia up through new england and i've seen kids that aren't top two, four, seven kids or a three-star kids be like, you know what? This school wants me. I'm jumping in now while I can. And then, and Ross, like you said, we're not even talking about the transfer aspect of it on who's available because as you've seen now, listen, in another year or two transfers are just going to be eligible. They're going to get your one-time transfer. And so it really is going to put a lot of stress on programs to figure out how to fit kids in and on kids, I mean, listen, some one double A's are going to get some unbelievable prospects. And, and, you know, and the other side of that is, you know, you have guys, you know, great North Carolina can run a hundred kids next year into their program on scholarship or whatever it's going to be. But what happens to some of those group of fives that maybe don't have the, the financial means of some of the power fives, you put another 20 kids on scholarship, man, that's, that's, a million plus dollars added to your budget.
3: Mm -hmm. What do you
2: you think? What kind of angles do you think you want to take this guy? Yeah.
3: So, I mean, God, we can go in like a gazillion different angles on this. The one thing I thought was interesting though, and I think the NCAA thinks that numbers are going to eventually work out. And I was, I was not thinking that that was going to be the case, but then, and Ross, you would know this number, I believe it was two or three seniors from North Carolina took advantage of the extra
2: year. Correct. Yeah, I think uh, Bo Krause is coming back and uh, and the kickers coming back. I think that might be it. Oh, okay, oh, maybe... and, and Tyrone Hopper, three players. Are yes. Back. OK,
3: so so that's not like a. I mean, every scholarship is is, you know, mean something because you only have 85, but that's not like a huge number. Mm-hmm. So. Um, because really, if you think about it, I mean, some kids, if you've been in college for four or five years, especially after being in college during a pandemic, you probably want to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. So I think that the numbers will eventually work out. And I don't think the NCAA is going to give any sort of help. And the people I talk to kind of feel the same way. And and that's why you see colleges kind of preparing with that sort of mentality. Um, as far as just how, um, how conservative they've been with, with scholarship offers. The interesting thing that Brian brought up is the transfer stuff. If I was advising a kid, I would tell them not to transfer because I think there's going to be a whole lot of kids. And I think I'm stealing Brian's tweet here um, who aren't going to be playing football next year, who think they are just because there's just not going to be enough scholarships. And it's just, it's just amazing how many are in the portal. um, And it just just doesn't seem like a a smart, smart idea uh, for a lot of kids. I I, I, got
4: two, I got two kids that went into the portal who thought they were going to a school who now are frantically looking for a school because the school they thought they were going to is like, yeah, we don't have room. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I agree with, see, this will work itself out in the 21 class because there's no, it doesn't matter how many kids are coming back for Carolina who got the extra year because that's not where the log jam is. The log jam starts in 22. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: no, I agree. But I I'm thinking that some of those seniors that could come back, like obviously they would be, I guess, where they would, be, they would be juniors next year, technically, because they were juniors right. this past right. season. Right. I think we're going to see a lot of those guys not take advantage of that. Hey, but I do, I, have, could... I do want to go in a different direction. I have a question for you on it because I have no idea what to expect. What the hell is going to happen with, with the visits and stuff? I mean, we know the dead period goes until April 15th. Um, what, what do you guess is going to happen?
4: Yeah, I, I think now with some of the vaccine stuff getting out, I, I think you're going to have some kids be able to get to campuses. I could see where recruiting events are limited. I could see coaches, you know, the big thing about April 15th is that's usually the first day that people can go out yeah. on the. you know, coaches can go out on the road. And so I think from that aspect, they're going to allow some coaches to go out on the road and, and evaluate some kids there. But I, I think you're going to see in small doses, you know, instead of the, you know, 40 person junior day or 50 person junior day where they're coming to watch the UNC Duke basketball game. I think you're going to have limitations on how many kids can be together at at a certain time. Um, You know, and and I think you'll see stuff like that. I think official visits, I could see them happening. I could see them happening with – certain parameters around it either you can't take kids to parties or or whatever it is right Mm -hmm. um i don't know again the ncaa i mean they just don't communicate very much to their members and i i don't know if the ncaa is going to say okay in order to come on campus you have to have the vaccine the vaccination um or you can only come in with this number of people it's it's really up in the air and i think Um, that stuff, I think, starts to get worked out more in February than it Mm -hmm. does now, and that'll give coaches and programs time to plan for things like that. But, yeah, I mean, why would I think there's going to be any kind of normalcy with visits in the spring given the NCAA shut them down for a year?
3: Yeah, no, I I agree. And I, I almost wonder if the NCAA says you can have visits, but they have to be official visits and that's it. And that way you kind of slim it down a little bit on who's on the road and who's going to campus. And there's a little bit more planning involved for when a guy's coming on campus. But what do I know?
2: So to yeah. close yeah. It, it, are schools being more, um, are they being uh, offering a little bit less, being more particular in who they're targeting? Is that kind of what you're seeing and, and kind of picking who they want more so than, I mean, throwing out a bunch of offers and, and casting a wide net just quickly kind of how are you seeing how do you think, and how are you seeing teams kind of structure their classes uh, in 2022?
4: Yeah, I, I think for me, um, there. I don't feel like there's as many offers, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Some places didn't play football. I mean, you look at North Carolina yeah. and Virginia; they didn't play football, they're so waiting on not tape,
2: right. A... They're waiting on more spring tape mm-hmm. or spring or,
4: tape or whatever. Or and then the falls, other, like, yeah. and then and then the other thing is. There was so much energy and effort into putting together a 21 class. And don't forget now, you started playing football in, depending on your conference, either mid-September, late October, and your season went, I mean, if you were the Big Ten or the Pac-12, your season went up until the weekend before Christmas. And so you didn't have a lot of time to sit there and watch tape of kids who are in the 22 class because shoot, you could just do that all of January cause you're not on the road anyway, out recruiting. Yeah. And so it, it, to me, it slowed it down a lot because schools are going to wait to see who they can offer off of some kind of junior film or some kind of junior workout stuff. Um, unless, you know, they're the no brainers
2: of the group. Don, are we, are we bothering you with the TV or you're looking over there, Don?
4: No, I'm
3: listening to every okay. word. Um, okay. No, I, I agree obviously Brian's view is more nationwide or at least regionally. Um, and, but I, I can tell you that the people that I talked to close to UNC's program, there's definitely a, a conservative approach to sending out offers. I mean, Mac has always wanted to kind of take that approach and he has taken that approach his first two years, but I think you're definitely seeing a, a even more narrowed focus just because you, you, you have to be careful because you don't know what's going to happen, how many scholarship offers you're going to have available. And you also want to keep some, some space there for potential transfers that come in because you don't know, you don't know who's going to be the transfer portal tomorrow. So you don't want to take a guy yeah. who's here like, eh, and then you have a guy who's really good, who you feel like you can, who can make a big, big um, impact on your program, and you don't have a scholarship available. And it has happened in North Carolina. Well,
4: And and, and you turn around and look at just on top of that, Don is, you know, and and I was texting with you the other day about it. So North Carolina loses an offensive lineman to the portal. And I I don't know where he fit in if he didn't fit in, whatever. But the point is, if some guy on some program who's a key piece goes into the portal, you now have to save a scholarship to bring somebody else in from the Mm -hmm. portal who can help right away.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, and and UNC now can be a little more picky. They're Orange Bowl. They're they're eight and three. They're riding high with Sam Howe and Mac Brown and, and Phil Longo and Jay Bateman. They can be a little more picky on who they want. So that kind of changes how they're they're approaching twenty twenty two after kind of building up to this point with, with each class getting a little bit better.
3: Yeah, and there's certain programs like South Carolina, for example they're going to have to live off of the transfer portal because they have so many holes to plug. There's so many guys who transferred out. Their recruiting class is, I don't know how many they signed off the top of my head, but they didn't sign a lot. So, um, and they're not going to be able to to meet all their needs in the next uh, signing period either. So they're going to have to really dive deep into that transfer portal.
2: Awesome, guys. That was good. Good discussion there. Brian, we appreciate your time and uh, we'll hopefully bring you on. Maybe the next time UNC gets a 757 guy. Uh, hey, we really appreciate you coming on, Brian.
4: Guys, I love coming on with you guys, and <laughs> I love your site too. So, hey, happy holidays. Be be healthy in the New York, everyone. All right,
2: we're gonna thanks, come Brian. back. We're going to talk about uh, the 2021 player that UNC has offered and get into uh, some Man Tower talk and some Don and Ross chatter. All right, thanks, Brian. Yep, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And we're back on the Scoop podcast brought to you by giant John, uh, T-shirt and giantteacher.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Part of the Inside Carolina Podcast Network. That was great with Brian. Um, Always has good perspective. Always has some good insight into 757Kids and and general recruiting, uh, college football recruiting. And um, yeah, he's a a great guest to bring on. I'm glad we had him on for these two commitments. Tyshawn Chapman and uh, Taeyon Holloway. Very good. Thank you. All right, Don. So we teased it. UNC's offered a 2021 prospect. Remember, they've already signed 18 players in this class. I think it's down to the number 14 class in the nation. It kind of dropped slowly after signing day. What mm. can you tell us about the player they're maybe looking to add and obviously going after with this new offer?
3: Yeah, so if you've been following our coverage of, of the 21 class, you know that I've been saying for a while that North Carolina was basically done with that class and that that the class that they signed – on, or they signed on December 16th was likely going to be that class. You know, that's it. Um, but um, got some information just before Christmas that UNC was in the market for another cornerback, which obviously would be paired with Ty, um, Tamir Brown. And UNC sent out a scholarship offer to Dante Belfour. He's a mid-three star from Florida. Um uh, uh God, Dre Bly reached out to him. Um, uh, you know, just uh, just before the holidays, gave him the offer, and they've been in contact ever since. We have a full breakdown of just you know interview, I guess, just feedback on on his thoughts and where his recruitment is going and that sort of thing. We posted on Monday, so if you haven't already, check that out. Uh, but we talked about earlier about the tall, long, uh, cornerback. So That's what he is. He's he's a 6 170 pounder. So obviously he could needs to add a little bit of weight, but definitely has that, that length. Um, so yeah, so check out the story for more details and we'll be, obviously he's going to be the focus of our coverage our 21 coverage for the, the next uh, weeks to come. Um, but, uh, speaking of signing day,
2: well, hang on. Sure. Let's get to real quick. Offer list for, for Dante Belfort, Auburn, Missouri, LSU, Mississippi state, Ole Miss, Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, so definitely has some big offers, some SEC offers. One offer that's missing on his profile is North Carolina, because that's obviously your job to put that on there. I will add that now. Um, Thanks. For so us. he's he's not ranked super high, but it seems like he has some some big time interest. Um, do you know why? Why are they adding a, a cornerback? What can you tell us about that? Is there anything you want to tell us? Um,
3: I don't have exact details on that. I okay. just know Is it that because
2: that one who's the one guy Desmond Evans, uh, high school teammate that's going
3: to. No, they once that uh, you're talking about, uh, Jaden Chalmers, who yes. went to prep school, went to Fork Union Military Academy for this past fall, uh, signed with North Carolina as part of last class, and then I can't remember where he oh, he ended up at East Carolina. EC, yeah, you see, um, North Carolina did not expect him to be a part of their, their program just you based off of what they knew about his academic situation. Didn't think the admissions would allow him in. Um, and so, yeah, he found a great fit in East Carolina. I still talk to his dads and they're really happy about that situation. So no, so it has nothing to do with that. My guess has something to do with something with the roster that maybe we aren't aware of, or maybe they just want to add another corner to uh, the, um, the depth chart. So, but I don't know specifics as of, as of right now. So maybe we'll find out something soon. But anyway, so the uh, signing day. Okay. Man Tower experience. Let's close from, it all out now.
2: We're closing it out.
3: From the inside um, of of the uh, why our you, coverage. Why will not you,
2: you line up? Tee it off to what, what, are, you, what are you talking yeah. about?
3: All right. So basically, if you were on Inside Carolina on, I guess, December 16th, the first day of the early signing period, we did a – Live stream from the man tower Ross and I we were uh, socially distant separated by a plexiglass and we just talked from 645 until I think it was like 1130 as each commit uh, signed his letter of intent and uh, we just we ate we ate um, Krispy Kreme we ate um, Bojangles I I have actually have a confession for you speaking of Bojangles all right confession all right I gotta get ready for this okay so, this is going to surprise a lot of people, including you. I have never gone and gotten Bojangles. Okay. Never. But you've eaten it. I've had it sparingly here and there. Okay. Yeah, keep in mind, this is not a, I'm sure it's up there now, but growing up, we did not have a Bojangle. I, I didn't know Bojangles existed until I got Yeah, It's not, a, it's not try- a
2: Philadelphia thing.
3: Exactly. Yeah. So, very regional. So, as such, I stayed away from it. But,. I fell in love when you handed me what was that that what was it the um the chicken sandwich it I'll was give you the, a Cajun chicken Cajun chicken sandwich Filet. I fell in love oh, and God. so I've had it like 3 times since that day oh.
2: <laughs> God, you're such a fatty <laughs> So, 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 so yeah. all right, let's go through the art. Right. So, I'm over at Don's house, I bring in the order. This is I wake up at 5:30 to get the food. Uh I go get a, a dozen crispy creams. And then I go and get two bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits, two Cajun chicken fillet biscuits, and, I get, and get three or four orders of bow rounds. And I get hot sauce and some ranch and some uh, ketchup. I did not then, get any bow rounds, by the oh, way. well, I had, a, I had a couple of your house. I went downstairs to your uh, with a mask on downstairs to your kitchen and put. I grabbed some cheese out of your fridge, put cheese on top of it, and microwaved it, and then ate it with hot sauce and ketchup and ranch
3: yeah so okay. i had then, I had none of I had no none of those so I have no had idea Gator, what it
2: was like. we had some Gatorades, and I felt awful the whole day, really first of all, I was tired yeah uh I'm not used to eating that much sugar, and we had the coffee with all the creamer that you that you had, so I had the the the, the you know multiple coffees throughout the morning with this heavy sugared creamer. we had the crispy creams which I never have, and then just the slop biscuits with uh with the bow rounds. I felt jittery and and awful the whole day. I had to work the whole day. Because after yeah. we were done with the uh, live stream, we had the Mac Brown press conference. And then after the Mac Brown press conference, I'm to work I work for a, a couple more hours transcribing stuff and getting more content up. So it's, it's always a long day, and I always feel awful because I always eat so much food. But uh, what do you think about the live stream? How do you think it went? What, what reviews have you gotten from, from maybe those in power and those who watched? <laughs> so um,
3: all positive reviews. I think people were um, – I think their expectations were pretty low. And so that made it easy to surpass them. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate the fact that we couldn't use John's graphics because I think that would have been a really cool feature. We tried using them early on, and then we had some technical issues where we lost the stream. So we kind of thought it was that, although it could have been uh, just Google slash YouTube being a pain in the butt. Um, but so I hate that. But otherwise, I thought it was awesome. And, and John really kind of came through and allowed you and I to just kind of talk and just entertain while he kind of handled the the technical parts of everything.
2: Yeah, we couldn't have done it without John uh, Bowman. I, I know he's probably listening. He's a, a loyal Inside Carolina podcast listener. Um, Shout out to John. Yeah, and it was good that the staggeredness of how they uh, announced your commitments allowed us to give each each commit and each signee their own kind of shine throughout the uh, live stream. Now, I was surprised how many people actually watched. Um, I think we kind of hovered around 200 mm-hmm. viewers, we- 150 to 250 Throughout the uh, day, and people will come in and come out and watch a little bit. Obviously, we didn't expect people to kind of be glued to it. But, but we had a lot of people ask questions, and that kind of drove the discussion. And we mm-hmm. talked a little off-topic. We talked about UNC football in general and also recruiting and, you know, different personnel questions in terms of how UNC football and the program is going. So it was good, and I think we'll, we'll try to do it again if, um, if we're, we're both here in, in 2021. Uh-oh. Is, um, is it, do we have breaking news? No, you know, life happens um so yeah and so it was good i mean coming from 24 7 sports the signing day was a, a massive deal i mean we'd all be in headquarters everybody be there early because obviously will central time but you're, you're covering east coast signees a lot you're getting there early and, and the same f- kind of food they bring in a massive breakfast massive lunch you know all catered uh or, or at least like you know bringing in a lot of good food and then a dinner and then champagne and you know, you, you start you drinking some alcohol later in the evening as kind of you're flipping all these classes and working throughout the day. So it was always kind of a holiday for us in Nashville when I worked at 24 Sports Headquarters. So it's good to kind of celebrate it the way we did with the Inside of Carolina live stream.
3: Yeah. So I hope I had a lot of fun doing it. I, I didn't. So I was, I think I was just hyped up on just the, the whole, I don't know, ordeal really. So I was, I mean, when you guys were started talking about shutting it down around 11, I was like, I can go three more hours. Now, I will yeah. say I started to crash for probably around 2, 3 o'clock where I couldn't keep my eyes open. But a lot of that was just – I mean, because I went to bed late the night before, woke up early, and just kept on rolling, you know.
2: Yeah, and I mean, much of your work is done the, the day before. Like, you're working, obviously, the whole year for this yeah, class. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but much of your actual signing day work – is done, um, you know, the, the week or two leading up to signing day. And so signing day for you is kind of just kind of watching it all happen and and making sure there's no breaking news. Yeah. And with, uh, with this year's signing class, there was no drama, uh, no breaking news, no recruitments to track. We knew George Wilson wasn't going to Carolina. So nothing to fall from your side. Whereas, um, I was just running our Facebook page and running our Instagram and, and running, um, some Twitter stuff. And then, And then kind of creating content throughout the day leading up to the press conference, which kind of started a whole new thing of stuff. So uh, you you kind of just chilled and celebrated and ate food and (laughs) sat on a couch with your your shorts on, your dirty socks. (laughs) Yes, you sat on the couch with
3: your sneakers on. Um, So barring, I guess, Ross running off and getting married and moving to Colorado, we're going to do it again next year, right?
2: Yeah, if, if we were both with inside Carolina and the management and powers that be uh, want us to do it, I would love to do it. Um, okay. I mean, if I'm a, if I'm even if I'm across the country across the world, I'd fly back to do a, a live stream from Holly Springs and the Man Tower with Don <laughs> Callahan. <laughs> I had fun. Before. I really, I really oh, had it was fun. Great. It was great. Yeah. It was good having John there too. And yeah, yeah, um,
3: it's good seeing John. John's doing a lot better than we are. So,
2: <laughs> all right, that's it, guys. Uh, covered a lot there. Um, 2020 UNC's 2022 class, it's kind of hard to say, is kind of off to a start now. This, this podcast kind of kicks it off. Um, we, we need to dive more into 2022. I mean, I don't know any of these players. I know Don's been studying this class for over a year now. Uh, like it always is, you just don't know who they are, and you slowly start learning the targets. You start always, reading Don's articles, you slowly start learning where they're leaning and, and who's recruiting them and, and the vibes there, but we've got two locked in here at UNC uh, with the commitments we talked about with Brian. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to rate review and subscribe the top 10 lists will be the next podcast, probably in two weeks. Uh, the top five players in the 2021 signing class at UNC that you most are excited about most excited about email Don. We'll get that in. Um, but thanks for listening. To the uh, Scoot Podcast presented to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com.
1: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase? Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here.